while we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a long gospel. Amen. <laughs> MR doesn't usually use the dais in that portable podium, but she, this morning she's like, come on, I got it. So I was getting ready to say something to all of you that is obvious to most, but I'm going to say it because we, we are, we're peppered with a lot of guests today from out of town. There's some sort of meeting of a national Episcopal deacon group, right? Yes. Welcome, welcome. And so uh, to our regular folks, because of them, I'm getting ready to say to you, uh, my primary call in ministry uh, right now practically is as a, a, a religion instructor to junior high kids. I teach mostly junior high, some high school at the Episcopal school up the road. So that's, that's for our guests. So you know what I'm getting ready to say, say is my, not my context. And, and because of this, I had, there's, there's two particular pieces of advice I have been offering uh, both to kids and to parents. And it's not the only advice, but this, these are two pieces of advice. And the first one is to junior high kids, particularly seventh graders, okay, 12, 13 years old. I say to them, I said, I'm going to give you a piece of wisdom that if you will use this for the next six years or so, chef's kiss, you're going to be doing awesome. Every day when you get into the car, when your parents pick you up, every day, have two stories prepared. Okay? Um, the first story is just about anything that happened in your day. And, and give that to your parents before they even ask. Like, don't even make them ask. Just give them the story. Right? This is going to really energize them. They're going to be really excited about the story. The second thing, a second story you tell them is you tell them a story about something that one of your friends did that was stupid. <laughs> and if you do that, they're going to go, oh, my, my child is developing a moral, ethical core. <laughs> Although all snitches do get stitches. But they, right, and I said, if you do this, your parents will just start handing you money. They'll just, whatever you want, privileges, all those things. They never take my advice. Right. The second piece of advice is to parents. I see some parents right here. When your child becomes about a fifth grader, 10 years old, choose their friends for them. I'm serious. Use all your skills of manipulation and coordination to, to pick their friends in hopes that they will become friends with them because there is that age when they start to pull away from you. And so the, the influence of their peers is going to start to you know, ratchet up and it's going to maybe surpass yours on some level. Can you choose their friends? I suppose to some level that you can, but um, that's my advice to parents. Jesus, he starts his ministry by going to a region where the best advice probably of the day was don't choose any friends from Samaria. Be careful about your relationships with Samaritans. And when it's come up in the scriptures and I've been preaching, I've done a little bit of talking with us, 
about what really was the issue with Samaritans. Samaritans were Jews, but they were a particular kind of Jewish person. And it really was a culture that they had lived in that had gone back really almost 800 years, which is a number that you and I don't really have context of understanding. But they were a Jewish people who goes back 800 years when the country had split. Now, I need to be careful when I give you this next um, comparison because it's not exactly, exactly accurate. But in the same way that in the United States that we are divided culturally, geographically, north and south, yes? Right. Is Oklahoma a southern state or a western state? <laughs> it's a western state that thinks it's southern. But we are, we've got sort of this cultural divide. And you could characterize that by suggesting that the South, when they broke away from us, you know, from the North, did you hear I just said us? Like I'm the North? I'm from Wyoming, that's nothing. <laughs> when they broke away, you could say it was, it was connected to a moral or ethical questionable practice, the practice of slavery. And so even after there was the repair, you could make the statement that we are still in the process of repairing that divide. But there is the, res the residue, the residual dynamics from that division. And this was true for ancient Israel. There really was, there were northern tribes and there were southern tribes. And the division between the two really had to do with sort of practical, ethical, and moral uh, issues in the North. That they had taken some of the practices of the fertility religions and they began to sort of incorporate it in their Judaism. Now by the time Jesus is, you know, a teacher and a rabbi, um, sort of those really uh, sharp differences had faded away. But they were in the collective memory of everyone. I want to put it this way. Let's say that you were invited into a relationship. Uh, let's say it's some, like a business relationship, but it was going to be ongoing, and so you were eager to, to develop this connection with this person. Uh, but this person, this company you were going to be working with is in Alabama. Okay? And so this is going to involve you making a trip down to Alabama, renting a car, and going out and getting to know this person and begin this process of, of knowing each other. And as you pull up to their driveway, you notice that they've got a Confederate flag hanging on one side of their porch. Now, I think to, all, to a great degree, all of us have been in a situation like this, that we're approaching a relationship. Let's don't call it a friendship yet. But you, you're beginning a relationship where there are certain indicators that make you suspicious about who this person is and raises the question, can I be a, a friend to this person? So you park the car, you go inside, you have all the sort of the niceties and the exchanges, and there's that lingering question in the back of your mind. But do you ask it? No. Some of you might. <laughs> Dude, what's with the Confederate flag on the front porch? 
When I was in college, I took a class on the politics of the Civil War. Uh, this was back in 1990, 91. And one of the questions that came up in class discussion one day was, uh, was the Confederate flag a symbol of hate? And immediately everybody in the classroom assumed that the answer to that was yes. But then there was one student in the class, he's from Texas, and you could tell he got really tense. And then he wanted to make a case that it really was more of a symbol about, about culture and not hate. You've heard this before? And he got very emotional, he got tearful, he felt he was feeling attacked. And really, he was the minority in that, in that tension. When Jesus sits down with the Samaritan woman, there are questions that he could have asked her. He could have highlighted the differences. But rather, he actually announces to her that he is the Messiah. He is the, she is the first person that he announces this to. And the region of Samaria, where he goes, it's the first place where he announces that he is Messiah. Now, what I don't want to suggest to us this morning is that this is some sort of false equivalency. You know, there are good people on every side, right? Because if you look at the content of Jesus' exchange with this woman, was this an easy conversation? No. He brought up, not the Confederate flag, but he brought up the thing. And I think the delicate balance that we try to maintain when we build friendships with people who are different than us is to know when is the right time to bring up the hard thing, to talk about the possible real differences that possibly do exist in the relationship. But so much of Jesus' ministry was trying to say to us, whoever we identify as our enemy, those are the ones that we should be trying to find ways to extend grace to. Not to let them off the hook for the hurt that they cause, but to extend them grace. You heard the language in the letter that Paul's writing to the Romans, right? While we, us, while we were enemies with God, God gave us grace. God sought friendship with us. And not that thin, sentimental friendship that overlooks everything, but the kind of friendship that dives into the hard questions and tries to build the bridges and work through them. One of my... Lenten disciplines this year has been to try to stay off my phone during the day. And I realized I had a little road map that I would pull out my phone just mindlessly and I'd open it up and I'd do this little trail. And um, it involved Facebook, involved Instagram, but then it also involved my news apps. And I've got two. I always check CNN first. Does that say anything about me? I don't know. And then I go check Fox News. And I want to see what is the news that is out there that's being reported. And I'm interested in the lens and the, the perspective that each is taking. 
And I could be interested in that lens because I want to get ammunition to win some fight. To, to play gotcha. But I've really been trying to make that lens about trying to understand. Trying to reach across the lines that divide. It was the playwright Bertrand Russell who said, the, the mark of a wise person is that they are always trying to reach across lines that divide. But you and I know that if you did that all the time, we'd be exhausted. Exhausted. I'm going to end with another story of Jesus when he encounters Zacchaeus. You know the story about Zacchaeus climbing the tree because he was short, couldn't see Jesus. He was a tax collector. He was an other. And he had exploited people. Real people exploited them. And when Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in that tree, he walks over to the tree. Here's what he could have said to Zacchaeus. You are a pawn of the empire. And the practices that you have maintained have benefited yourself and only you to the exploitation of others. And you should be wary of the wrath of God. And that's not what Jesus did, did he? He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have lunch at your house. Now again, I'm not being Pollyanna. I'm not. I'm acknowledging just like the, the heart of this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan that some of this is really hard. But Jesus is inviting you and I into the same aspiration of friendship with the enemy. Almighty God, you know we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. So keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.